Welcome to the Discover Your Joy podcast. I'm your host, Maya Urban, the Urban Healer. I'm a life coach, Reiki master, Akashic record reader, and registered nurse. I'm here to guide you towards living a life you truly love by learning to downregulate your nervous system, resetting your energy, and reconnecting to your essence. We'll talk about everything from evidence-based neuroscience tools to ancient healing wisdoms and how you can incorporate these in your everyday life to heal, expand, and feel joy again. For ways to work with me, visit theurbanhealer.ca. Now let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Discover Your Joy podcast. My name is Tamaya Urban, and I'll be your host. And today I am interviewing a very special guest. Her name is Katie Rossler. She's a licensed therapist and hidden grief specialist. And we're going to be discussing what is hidden grief, how does it affect you, and how can we process and release it? So welcome to the show, Katie. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I am excited we're diving into the subject. Not many people know what hidden grief is. So we're going to really get into what is it? What does it look like? How is it showing up in your life? And what to do about it? I love that. Okay. So first things first, please tell us about yourself. What do you do? How did you get here? What was your path in finding this as your topic to dive into? Share as much or as little as you'd like. Yes. So um, as you shared, I'm a licensed therapist. I've been doing it for about 15 years now. And um, I'm also a twice published author, speaker, and consultant for companies um, looking to decrease burnout um, and increase stress management for their employees. Um, But on a personal front, I am an American living in Germany. I married a man with an accent. He hooked me in. And we lived in the States for six years together, and um, then we moved here, and we've set up shop here. We've got three girls, and um, I am learning life as an expat, which has a whole lot of hidden grief attached to it, too. I'll I'll share those stories as we talk more. Um, I love all things yoga. I'm a huge sushi fan. I miss the beach. I'm super landlocked here in Germany. It is very sad. And I um, came to the topic of hidden grief through traditional grief, actually. Um, At the end of 2018, my mom died, um, I would say suddenly, that sounds so like, uh, unexpectedly is a better way to put it. Um, We were not aware of particular health conditions and she wasn't as well. And she just didn't wake up. Um, And so I got that call here in Germany at about 2.30 a.m. from my brother. And it completely changed my world because this was my my compass. You know, you don't realize there's certain core people in your life. And I was very close to my mother, but my compass had broken, basically. And so I went through 2019 really trying to find myself again. And um, I had two miscarriages as we were trying for our third and just trying to navigate life without, as a mom without a mom, you know, my girls were two and four, and it's, you don't have that person to say, was I like this? Did I do that? What did you do when I didn't have that? I didn't have my storyteller anymore, because my dad was military. He grew up moving around all the time, yeah. and so he was gone a lot, so he, I'd be like, dad, was I like, he's like, I don't know, <laughs> like, great, thanks, awesome, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> And um, so it was a lot of loss. And I remember going into 2020 
and I'm sorry I manifested this for everyone, but I went into 2020 going, I'm removing urgency from my life. And I refuse to have people have to say, I'm so sorry. Mm. And then the pandemic hit and we were all stuck inside. So I had no urgency. We were stuck inside. <laughs> Everything was stress-free basically, because again, we, especially in Germany, we were super locked down. Um, and everybody else was saying to each other, I'm so sorry. So it, it kind of like, I kind of I felt guilt uh, the first month. I was like, oh, wow, I really wrote that down. <laughs> That's what's going to happen is yep. nobody needs to say it to me anymore. But in that time, I remember my girls would go and play outside in the garden and I grabbed a journal and I just started writing about what I was understanding about grief and mm -hmm. how I realized that this wasn't the first time that I felt this emptiness in me. Mm. And I felt it when my parents divorced. I felt it moving around as a military kid, moving every two to three years. The longest I had lived in one place up until probably about 24, 25 years old was the four years of college. Yeah. And so that's a lot of school. That's a lot of time being the new kid. Um, that's a lot of time being made fun of because you're an outsider. You sound different, you, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I had experienced grief just in the process of growing up. I had experienced grief becoming a mother and letting go of the identity and the freedom of not being a mom. Yeah. Um, you know, grief showed up a lot in my life. And then I started reflecting on my clients and thought, oh my gosh, you know, we call it adjustment disorder in the psychology world, but really it's grief. Yeah. And um that was the piece of the puzzle where as I was writing and journaling, I started sharing with a friend, like what I was like, what was coming up. And I even like, you know, took pictures of it and sent it to her. And she's like, you have to write a book. Like this is book worthy writing. And I was like, this is my journal. She's like, I don't care. <laughs> like, this is going out to the world. And so I came to understand hidden grief. I started doing research. Um, it's traditionally called disenfranchised grief. Um, and as you start to read about it, you you start to understand, like, wow, this is such a normal part of our lives. Why aren't we being taught about this? Yeah. Um, you know, hidden grief is the grief that society doesn't deem acceptable as grief. And so you you feel shame about it. You hide it. Well, nobody died. Right. So you just feel this like, oh, uh, you know, I, I'm grieving, but I'm not grieving, but I'm not allowed to grieve. So I don't know. Yeah. And your hands are trapped behind your back. And emotionally, we feel blocked. It leads to addiction, um, escaping behaviors, uh, fight or flight, like all of it gets kicked up because we don't know how to feel what we're feeling in the mm -hmm. context of what it is because people have taken away that vocabulary from us. Yeah. And so I'm here to say, no, it's hidden grief. And it's actually quite a normal part of your life. And yeah. once you figure that out, you use it as a tool for your growth. Yeah. So long mm -hmm. answer. I love the long answer. Long answers are welcomed here. And I think that is so important because just like with trauma, it's like, well, I didn't have a big T trauma, so I don't have trauma. I'm like, no, no, you do. The little bits throughout the day, every day add up. So would you say, does grief have the same thing? Is there a big G and a small G grief? Tell me a little bit more about that. I think that there is a big G and a little G grief because the world deems big G grief as related to death. Mm -hmm. um, I have even been challenged on social media. How dare you compare someone losing their home to the grief of me losing my parents? And I said, well, if that, that woman or man has owned that home for, you know, 
50 years and it burns down, mm. how would that not be a loss of all of their things, all of their identity, all of the things they held yeah. you know, so dear to them? Yeah. How could that not compare? But that's just because our society likes to compare. So we're going to call it big G and little G. Um, the reality is, is there can be some things that cause one person a heavier amount of grief than another. Yeah. You see it in families when somebody dies as well, right? And some people take it really like, I'm okay with this. And some people really struggle. Yeah. Um, so it is a very subjective experience when it comes to the G's of grief, like what level you're at. So I would say, yes, there is. Um, some people are going to define it by society and then some are going to define it just how they experience the loss itself or that change or that um, the move or the adapting they have to do. Yeah, no, for sure. And I would say like almost the little G quotations <laughs> is worse because it's like, you're not allowed to even acknowledge those feelings and like deal with the loss, but it's still a transition. It's still a change in your identity and it's still going to bring up some big feelings. Totally, totally. I will say that the little G, again, in quotations, people during the pandemic um, that I was connected with were women who were having miscarriages when they were stuck at home yeah, and they oh, couldn't yeah. really get out and they couldn't have life feel normal at all. And they were really stuck. And yeah. that trauma of a loss like that on top of the grief, but feeling like they weren't supposed to grieve because there's actually adults dying there are kids who were born dying you know and like this baby wasn't even born and now I'm grieving like this seems wrong there was so much shame and it was such a difficult time there were so many different types of grief but I would call that big g grief but they would probably say it's little g because they'd yeah. be like I shouldn't have this yeah. and there were so many things like that um yeah. you know miscarriage is just one example just from my own story of knowing what that's like but um, there were grief pieces. I mean, there were so many people who went back into addictions or started addictions during that time. Mm -hmm. And it's a big grieving process. And I would call those big G's as well. Yeah. So then what are examples of little G grief or the hidden grief? Yeah. So I would say when we talk about hidden grief, and so we'll just say big G, little G, we'll remove that hidden grief mm -hmm. itself, like just hidden grief. Examples would be um, lifelong health conditions that all of a sudden you've been like diagnosed with something, um, big moves, identity shifts, like parenthood, getting married, getting divorced, breakups, mm -hmm. um, you know, losing a job, going from corporate to entrepreneurship. Oh my gosh, the amount of women I've worked with who have experienced grief around that because of the identity change. Yeah. Um, boundaries that you have to have with family members you know, that can cause grief. Why couldn't you've been that parent I needed? Why couldn't you have been that aunt or uncle that was safe? Um, yeah. You see this with friends as well. Why, why could, why did you have to be the energy sucker? <laughs> like, why couldn't you be the friend I needed you to be? And when we get yeah. healthy enough to put that boundary, we yeah. grieve. you see this with sisters and brothers too, right? Like, you know, I always, I wanted to grow up and have that best friend and you're not that person. And yeah. it's like, yeah, that, yeah, that happens. And you're allowed to grieve I see the true definition of grief is letting go of the way we thought life would or should go and accepting how life is so that we can really like fully enjoy life. Because yeah. when we let go of the Disney dream of what yeah. life was going to be like, yeah. and we start to see life has 
good and bad in quotations that we have these descriptors, right? The positives and negatives, things that add to it, things that remove from it. I mean, we see the four seasons in nature as the perfect example of what life is really like. There are seasons of winter where things die and things are removed mm-hmm. um, and things don't grow back, right? Yeah. We have spring where there's growth and there's this change and metamorphosis and like, whoa, we have the summer, which is like, enjoy, experience, embrace, and then the fall of releasing. And that is life. It doesn't happen necessarily in three month patterns. It can be, uh, sometimes it's in a day, depending on your day, <laughs> but it can be over, uh, yeah. over weeks. It can be months. It can be years that we experience this, yeah. but it is normal. Yeah. And it is normal for life to not go the way we thought it would. But if you don't grieve and you just go like, well, that sucks. Let me just move on. You're still holding on to there were dreams there. You yeah. Know, every relationship we enter into, we have expectations and beliefs and dreams around it, whether it be romantic or friendship, like it happens. Right. Yeah. And when that friendship ends or that relationship ends, those dreams go where? And so you do have to acknowledge them and the closure of them and, and that they didn't happen and to grieve that. Um, other things that can cause grief, that hidden grief is also pet grief because oh, that is typically- I'm sorry, that's a big G. That's a big- That is a big G. I know, I know. Like but I refuse I will to tell accept you, that. Yeah. Yes, in the hidden grief world, yeah, pet grief is there. Miscarriage and pet grief are there. And I think, why is that not in the big G world? But- yeah often people are like your pet okay it's a pet right like they you know it's a pet like this is a human being this is a pet and you're like oh my gosh it wasn't a like, kitchen table like I spent a lot of time with this thing <laughs> it attracts a me. living animal yeah yeah 100 yeah. and especially if the pet isn't like a dog or a cat maybe it's something a little more non-traditional or like a horse where you know yeah. it's bigger these things cause grief um living in Europe war war creates causes grief people are having to be relocated from their homes never to go back again um people who do go back and their home is not the same Mm -hmm. um these things cause grief as well if your children go off and have a life or an identity that you are not comfortable with you're not accepting um empty nest all of these things that cause hidden grief That's so true. We can go on and on, but these are things that cause it. No, but it's like, I think it's important because people don't acknowledge that to be a type of grief. So they don't give themselves permission to process it. And then it's just this like lingering energy or this emptiness, the stuck feeling. So then what happens when you don't process this grief? Oh, yes. When we don't. Physically, you'll have things like memory issues, sleep issues, digestive issues. Your body's going to start going like, mayday, mayday, you're not feeling the emotions you need to feel. You're not, you know, processing and healing things you need to. So you'll start to see those types of things occur. Um, You're going to find yourself really irritable and reactive, very tense with muscles because you're just holding on to it. This is where addictive patterns start. Um, Eat it away, drink it away, buy it away. I deserve this. I've had such a day. I deserve that sort of uh, yeah. vocabulary is usually I'm, I'm masking something I need to grieve or I need to really feel. Um, mm-hmm. Those are always good sort of not warning signs, but like um, indicators, right? Um, <laughs> it will also um, show up when you are not able to really connect with the people around you. You start to find yourself 
kind of distancing yourself and all grief we we all need to get in our little boats and row out to our personal islands and like have our our cocoon moments but what happens when we do that is we experience a sense of oh this is my solitude and now I feel isolated and there's like a it's a slow shift but all of a sudden we're like no one cares about me anymore nobody even like checks on me anymore and we forget that we're the one who rode out to that island and everyone's being respectful of the boundaries we've played. Yeah. And it is up to us to go, I'm here. Okay. Let me row back out to the mainland. I'm here. Yeah. I'm still here. I'm going to go back to my island, but like I'm here. Yeah. And so when you find yourself in this, like everyone's forgotten me, nobody, like that's usually for me in a grief process, also an indicator of like, it's time for you to go back and, and be okay asking for some help or asking for a coffee date or asking for whatever it might be so yeah. that you can have connection because often they are really respecting our, our, our need for that solitude. So when you feel a sense of isolation, that's usually a sense of like, okay, I was kind of doing the good work I needed to. And now I've like shifted into something else. Um, yeah. If you're out doom scrolling on your phone where you're like, you know, those moments where you're like, I really should stop. Like, this isn't helping me in any way. You know, we get those moments, we're like, why am I doing this? Like, oh my God, it's been like 45 minutes. And then you keep going, that's an indicator. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're avoiding something, right? You're avoiding something. Yeah. Um, I think of it like um, procrastination. We think we're keeping ourselves from experiencing something negative that we don't want to actually do. And in telling ourselves that, we're creating more emotional stress. Yeah. And more emotional, like uh, we're getting reactive and annoyed and, uh, and this is so big. And then we do it and it took 15 minutes. And we're like, this was weeks and months of me avoiding this one thing. And, but we believed we're keeping ourselves in that. That's the same with grief stuff. I'm yeah. going to avoid it. I'm going to, I don't want to deal with it. And I tell you, I see my clients for three months at a time. Like, mm -hmm. We see each other three months every other week. I have a methodology I've created. It is very logic and emotion based. It has a, um, they follow a plan. Every meeting has a focus. Every homework is the same because it works. Hmm. And midway through, they're all like, oh my gosh, I see it. I'm like, I know because you're finally facing it. You're facing it. You're feeling it. You're knowing that you can handle it. Yeah. And now you're healing it. And at the end of the three months, it is very rare that they're like, there's still so much to uncover. It's like, whatever is to uncover, I actually know what to do because mm -hmm. of those first three months. Yeah. It doesn't take years. The yeah. years part of it is the, I want accountability in continuing this. Of course. I want, you know, I want to have that encouragement or I just need that sounding board. Um, so when people work with me, when it comes to like a year or two, it isn't because there's just so much deep stuff that's still coming up. Yeah. We get that pretty heavily in the first three months. It is the, like, I want to continue these healthy patterns and better belief systems that my grief used to keep me locked in and mm -hmm. you keep me accountable to those. Yeah. Um, and so that, that work I think is really essential when you finally decide I'm ready to face my hidden grief. Sometimes you need an outsider to point out that it's grief to begin oh, with. Totally, totally. And this is why I think it's so important for us to discuss this. Cause I think some people listening might be like, Oh wait, that is me grieving something. And it's like this change 
like any change is something is ending something is starting and like I know for me like right now I'm kind of in between um leaving my condo in the city slash being a city girl and downtown core to like moving to the country which is what I want and what I desire and like I chose this I wanted this I have this but then part of me is like okay, there's some feels. And it's like, how dare I be sad in this moment when I'm like, you manifested this, you wanted this, it's better than you expected. But then it's like, I'm super excited, but I'm like, holy shit, I'm still leaving this. And it's like that in between. And I think you really hit the nail on the head. Really, anytime we say the word should, there's some like healing to do there. Like what's going on? So it's like, I shouldn't feel this way. I should feel this way. It's like, no, 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 no. Should is like a red flag of like, are you okay? <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> right, right. Like, what are you, what, what's going on? The power of and, I call it and feelings. You are allowed to be sad and happy. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to be angry and still love that person. You know, like we can house multiple emotions. And often we think we need to be all in. And especially I think in the manifestation world, we'd be like, this is it. This is it. Okay. Yeah. But if we don't honor the fear, the, the sadness, the like, whoa, I'm having to pull roots up experience. Then when we get to the new place, we're going to find it show up in different ways. So Mm -hmm. you get to, it's the power of and you get to feel both. Mm -hmm. You get to hold the excitement and you get to go, oh my God, this is scary as hell. And what am I doing? And like, what, why? Yeah, both sides get to exist. That's the cool you thing about the exactly things that are going on in my brain. I'm like, yay! Oh my god, yeah! Oh, ooh, ah. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> what is going on? And like, I think that's one thing people need to remember: of like, you can manifest and call certain things in, and then you do the work, but then like, you still need to physically and energetically arrive there. So it's like me yeah. packing things up. Or like me calling the mortgage company, like breaking a mortgage and like calling like this, that and the other. And I was like, oh my gosh. And the thing that's hilarious is I'm like, wait, what's my address? Like I literally just found a new place to land. And I was like, I can't even cancel some of my bills because I'm like, I don't have a forwarding address. And then I'm like, crap, my next address is a temporary address because I haven't found my dream home yet. So I was like, to do this again? Right, like God. I'm like, oh God. I'm in the tent in front of the tree by the like cows. Okay. Like let me. Right. Exactly. Second left. Yeah. Right. No, just give me a moment here. So I think that is so important. The like power of and, oh my God, that like hit and that you're allowed to feel all of those things. Oh my goodness. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I was going to say like the importance of closure practices. Yeah. Oh. You know, it's like graduation. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, funerals, all of these are closure practices. Any yeah. changes in your life, even if it's just, I'm going to go for a hike, I'm going to get to the top of the hill and I'm just going to blah, or like cry it out. And then I'm going to come down. That's a closure yeah. practice, burning oh. rituals, closure practice, okay. packing things up, lock it up, tape it up, closure yeah. practices. We uh, need that. That's, that's uh, healthy and grief. Oh, I love that you just mentioned that. Cause it is, it's funny. Cause I'm clearing out my condo early because I'm going away on my trip and then I'm going to have like one day where this is empty before I give over keys and I'm like having a moment like there is a moment happening here and I it's funny because like I remember when I got the keys to the place I 
didn't move in right away. And I had a moment when I got here. So I was like, okay, full circle moment. Oh gosh. It's going to be, it's going to be an emotional ride guys. <laughs> and good for that. You are an emotional being. If you hid that from yourself, it again, it will come out in different ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So then grief, what kind of lasting changes do you see on your nervous system or in the brain? Tell us a little Mm -hmm. more about science of grief. Yeah. So if we're looking at grief that you've not processed, what we're seeing, um, again, is the, like we feed them into the addictive nature of things more. So we're going towards the pleasure center. We Mm -hmm. want to fulfill that versus hey, I'm actually strong enough to endure these emotions. And so our amygdala, our fight or flight is like, I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel, I want, you know, like, I want to feel good right now. Dopamine, where can I get that from? How much chocolate can I eat? How much wine can I drink? How much, you know, Mm -hmm. we're looking at sort of those sorts of avoidance pieces. The longer that grief kind of holds its um, talons on you, I guess, we'll think of it in a negative way, even though it's not, but you know, like, oh, that's how we feel like, oh, it's bad. Yeah you know, the foggy brain and the memory issues are just largely in part to our brain not being able to function at its normal, healthy place. Because when we're holding on to so much, we're blocking a lot and energetically we're blocking a lot, right? And so we are, I mean, uh, the clients that I work with who are like pulling up their hidden grief those first three months, like that first month, they're like, I cannot remember anything. And I'm, and I'm like, yes, because we are really pulling it all up. And if you have had big G grief because of death, then you know your short-term memory shot, you're exhausted all of the time. And that's the same with my clients. When they start to do this work, they're physically exhausted. They need more sleep because sleep is healing in grief. Sleep, your body needs healing too. So naps, rest, all of these things are yeah. part of grief healing. And yeah. my clients are often like, when I'm like, you have full permission to take as many naps as you need. And they're like, I always feel emotionally better after. And like, yeah, because it's healing stuff. Your mm-hmm. dreams, your brain needs you to turn off all the external so mm-hmm. it can process things in yep. your sleep. Yeah. It needs that. Yeah, absolutely. And that comes with like processing emotions and also just energy. Cause that's something I mentioned to people when they do the Reiki certifications, I'm like, you are going to be more sensitive. You are going to be more tired. And they're like, I'm fine. And I'm like, okay, it's coming. It's coming. And it's like, that's just part of life. It's like, you just did something huge and you need a moment to rest. So take those times. Oh, I love mentioning that. Cause it's like, I think it's so underrated. It's like, oh yeah, it's just sleep. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's like a huge part of your mental, physical, emotional well-being. Yeah. Yeah. I I had a speaker say once to me um, that lions sleep about 22 to 23 hours a day. And yet they are the kings of the jungle, right? A lion is like this amazing, but the power of rest makes it so, you know, forceful and fearful, right? When it is in action, because it allows itself to just sleep, chill, mm-hmm. relax and rest. I'm like, yeah. I will be a lioness. <laughs> I will do yes, that. please. Yeah, Actually, right? I'll be a lion because the lioness is all the hunting and I just want to chill. <laughs> so yeah, I just wanna, exactly. Feed me, <laughs> bring it to me. Yep. 
<laughs> Love that. Okay. So then what would you recommend in terms of people who are listening, uh, who are maybe like, oh shoot, I do have a lot of hidden grief. Oh shoot. I am stuck in this cycle of feeling stuck. So how would you start processing it? And you can go kind of both ways of like, you wanted to kind of start unpacking on your own, but then also maybe without giving away your entire program, but like, what are some of the things you do? Yeah. So, you know, if you're like, okay, I'm ready to like attack this on my own to start out with, because maybe I feel some shame around some of it. Maybe I don't want to say some of these things out loud. One of the most impactful things for my clients, um, and it's usually the first stage of our work together, is to literally write it all down. All the things, all the regrets, all Mm -hmm. the, you know, the times you were bullied, the times where the parent said or did something that you wish had been differently. Anything you think, oh, that's silly. Anything that causes a twang in the heart, like, oh, that really still gets me. Oh, that hurts me. Oh, that upsets me. You just write it all down. It's kind of like having a a to-do list for a project. So then you know this is the stuff that needs to get addressed. Mm-hmm. And I, I recently did this with a client because, you know, our first session, they always come to me already with their, I call it their grief timeline. And I teach them a particular way to do it based off their learning style. So depending mm-hmm. on your learning style, you should do it differently. Um, and so she she laid it all out. And I was like, okay, let's look at the themes because I believe we all in this life are here to heal some themes, whether it be for our family or for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then from there I go, okay, so what are your goals? And it was really interesting because she, her first goal was about other people. Mm. And the second goal was about herself, which was a theme in her, you know, chart. And I was like, um, what a surprise. No way. Should we switch um, number one and two? And she's like, yes, right here is the problem. And I said, yeah. So that's the first step. Write it all out. Just write it all out. See yeah. what comes. You don't need to write the full stories. This is where people get it wrong. This is where, okay, yeah, we're going to re-traumatize ourselves. I literally mm-hmm. want you to just write down the sentence of what happened. Mm-hmm. I was six. He said this. I was yeah. eight. He did this. Yeah. You know, at, literally like back in history class. Yeah. Timeline, bullet point, da, 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 da. Um, and that gives you just the here's my starting point. Here's all the stuff I've been hiding from. Here's the stuff I've been avoiding, or here's the stuff that's keeping me up at night. Yeah. Here are the things that are impacting how I work or how I am in relationships or how, how I am with my own body, my own yeah. ability to trust or have faith. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing. I would say that's number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my book is called The New Face of Grief. And in it, it explains the process of working with grief, how it shows up in different ways, um, how we can use humor to heal ourselves in grief. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives you permission on a lot of things. And for those of you who are interested in big G grief work as well, there's a chapter about appropriate things to say um, mm-hmm. and do for those who are grieving in our lives. Um, yeah. Because often it's like, well, you know, my condolences or, you know, the sympathy cards tend to be very top down, like, oh, you, you poor thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And so in it, I really address how we can work with that. So I I highly recommend, and I'm going to make sure you guys have a a free chapter of it, um, an audio chapter. So you can really listen and go, okay, here's how hidden grief shows up. I'm seeing it. And then you can use that book. But if you're really ready to dive in, I'm here. 
Um, there are, are similar coaches and therapists to me as well. Um, I'm one of the few that I think I'm the only one who has a hidden grief training program. We yeah. have like there's grief, big grief training programs, yeah. um, but specifically to just hidden grief and knowing how to work in, with that in your client's lives. Uh, because the methodology that I've created is so impactful. It's something I'm I'm teaching other coaches and healers to use. Okay, beautiful. No, I love that. Now, question, would you say that there's more women dealing with hidden grief? Would you like, or is that, I mean, I don't know if there's any like scientific evidence in terms of numbers, but like mm -hmm. say that there's more women because I shouldn't feel that way or they're like downplaying their emotions or would it be like right. men who are like not even diving into emotions at all? And this is general statements. I know this doesn't go in either way, but what are your thoughts on that? Right. I think it's equal. Okay. Even the women who think, well, like I'm so in touch with this or that, usually like they sit down with me and after 20 minutes, they're like, well, crap, I didn't really know. Yep. Okay. Okay. Here so we go. All I need, all I need is 20 minutes. I actually give free 20 minute calls because I'm like, all I need is 20 minutes. We'll talk and I can, I can pull for you some yeah. of the things that are not coming up. Okay. Um, yeah. Men, because socially it's not acceptable for them in many cultures and societies to show or feel or even acknowledge for themselves yeah. what they're going through. Yeah. It shows up for them later in life and burnout, midlife crisis, which we in the therapy world call midlife transition. But it's like, you know, all of these things. It, it feels like a crisis. Things. I feel like it's not a cute, like transitions. Like, right? No, it's yeah. no. <laughs> Yes, it, it shows up in anger. It shows up in detachment from the family. I, you know, I'm here, but I'm not here. Yeah. These are all the signs it's something to deal with. And women, it's showing up more of, we tend to be a little more weepy or we tend to fill up our schedule more so we don't feel or, yeah. but I would say all of them eat it, drink it, watch it away on Netflix, you know, all, like all those things, it, there isn't one side that's more than the other. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. And I think that's important to address because I, I know I do have a couple male listeners. So thank you very much. But it's like, we're all allowed to grieve in our own way in whatever it is. And I feel like that's very similar to trauma slash pain. It's like, nobody gets to tell you what trauma is. Nobody gets to tell you what pain is. Like, sorry, this shouldn't hurt you. It's like, no, 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 it is. And it's like, how dare you grieve that? Grieve that. You are allowed to grieve that. And I, I feel like- yeah. Overall, it's not necessarily like you're never just grieving the one thing, but it almost like right. opens up the door of other losses you've had in other moments where you weren't allowed to grieve or didn't have the opportunity. And you were told to just, you know, put on your big girl pants, keep on going. And I think that that's a huge way of getting stuck. And like, you're not really allowing that energy to flow in your body slash your, your nervous system's freaking out. Yeah. And I honestly think that often the starting point for men in grief is grieving the fact that they are not typically allowed to even be able to grieve. Yeah. Like that was blocked for them for so long. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm working with uh, a male right now, a guy who like our starting point was like, you weren't allowed to feel all this. <laughs> so like, let's just start with that before we even get into the feelings. Yeah. And yeah. that is a, a, they logically know it, but then to allow your body and all of you to feel that is when you start to unlock the doors of like, wow, this has been a weight I've had to carry my life. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. No, it's true. I do. I do love working with men because sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to blow your mind. <laughs> We're just going to yeah. get right. Now. Let's go. And I was like, please ignore yeah. all of my like rose gold and sparkles on my branding. Cause I'm not changing that. Cause that's just fun. But like, we all are humans and we're beings and we're being in this wild, crazy world and with a lot of big emotions that we weren't really allowed to feel. So I think it's important for us to dive into that. Mm, I love that. Now, why do you think grief isn't talked about as much? Or why do you think it's like such a taboo topic? Or why do you think certain right. parts or like certain experiences are like downplayed as like, you should be fine? Like, why do you think mm-hmm. that happens? all in society uh grief doesn't sell right like grief doesn't um in marketing it's i'm like marketing you know let me show you how sad this razor is going to make you or this shaving cream or whatever like that doesn't sell what sells is sexy and fun and look at life with passion and excitement and you know don't even think of your attachment Uh, that's what sells yeah. And because that from the very beginning of marketing and sales was like the way they pulled us in, it was either fear-based, you don't want to be like this, or whoo, don't you want to be like us? That's, you know, okay, so here we yeah. are. And so grieving. And I also I also think generationally that even with with death grief, uh during the wartime, you didn't have the ability to because it was about let's survive so suck it up toughen up you need to like for the family for the whatever Mm -hmm. go off to war take Mm -hmm. care of the kids stay at Mm -hmm. home work whatever it might be you had to go off and do Mm -hmm. these things Mm -hmm. and then get sort of ingrained in the family line of like suck it up tough it up why are you feeling this I don't want to hear it and it becomes the pattern so it's, it's sort of twofolded. Why grief is not talked about, why it's not normalized. It's not pretty. It's not comfortable. It's necessary, yeah. you know, and most people don't always want to do the necessary things, right? Well, <laughs> so it's uncomfortable. Late at night. Yeah. There's a, a lot of parts of healing that are really uncomfortable. And it's like, um, it was funny. I was in a training session this weekend um, on like vagal toning and the instructor literally said, if it's uncomfortable and feels yucky, you're in the right spot. Keep going. Keep yeah. going. And you're like, oh. yeah. <laughs> yes. But that, that is the thing is that we've not been taught that because again, it doesn't sell. Yeah. I think now generations are starting to understand, actually, I need this. Yeah. But prior to that, I mean, you watch commercials for things and you're just like, they're yeah. selling. I always, I always bring it back to razors. Cause I'm like, yeah. how is shaving your legs? This like erotic jungle experience where you're like half the time I'm trying to balance on one leg and not fall on the, uh, you know, like, and who cares? Like if I remember to put something on my legs before I start shaving, that's great. Like what? So grief is the necessity and we're sold the non-necessary things yeah and so it isn't talked about but that's that's why there's many of us in the grief space or in the burnout world who are starting to like hey no we need to talk about this and even regulating our nervous system yeah it's it's normalizing that most of us are in fight or flight in unhealthy ways yeah yeah and and we need to talk about it 
No, it's true. Now, do you think that um, people sometimes struggle with this hidden grief because they don't know it's grief? They're almost like going to the, I don't want to say the wrong practitioner or the wrong therapist, but like trying to fix something else. Like, do you think there's like this disconnect? I mean, I like you said, the person feels stuck or the person feels numb. And that's like two words that I hear all the time from my clients. And it's like, I'm stuck. Yeah. I don't feel anything. I don't know why this is what I'm feeling. And it's like, do you think that there's maybe an opportunity for people to look at some of the struggles they have in their life and maybe put the label that's not very sexy and saying hidden grief and then lean into that type of healing? Like, do you think they would benefit from working with someone who specializes in hidden grief, such as yourself compared to a generalized practitioner, maybe? Yeah. I think So I think initially what happens is they go to their doctor and they say, I'm feeling these ways and they get put on medication for something. Okay. Right. Or they go like, okay, let's check back in a couple months and let's see. Yeah. Um, and if they go to a therapist, a therapist, most therapists are going to go like, Oh, you're going through adjustment disorder. If there's changes in your life or, you know, they're, they're not always yeah. going to put the correct vocabulary to it because it's just what we're trained we are yeah. trained grief is related to death yeah um that is starting to shift i will say yeah but this is a big reason to me why it's important to start to train more coaches and healers so that they're using the vocabulary too because it yeah. just gives people permission yeah. it isn't that the work that that everybody's doing would change honestly yeah. There would be some methods that like, oh, I know I can add this into our call that will help you, but it's, it's how to talk about it. It's how to broach the subject, especially if you see it and they're not able to like, and they're in denial of it, mm -hmm. how to normalize it, all of these things. Um, so yes, but the hope is more practitioners in a variety of fields, even, you know, any health and wellness and fitness coaches, I want to be like, decluttering coaches I'm like please come do my program all of you get to experience grief on a daily basis with your clients yeah. you need to know the vocabulary and how to sit with it you don't have to fix the emotion I'm not asking you to, like do trauma work or anything yeah but sit with it know how to help transform it for them so that they're able to then do the work yeah. um but if you're like wow I'm really in hidden grief right now then yeah I do think a specialist if you're able to go, yes, this is grief. And I know I want somebody who, who knows what they're doing with this. That makes sense. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Absolutely. Um, I think I was gonna say the big thing that you said was permission. And I think giving people permission to feel whatever feels, whether it's sadness, mm -hmm. whether it's anger, whether it's confusion, whatever it is, anything that's coming up, but it's like, Hey, this is happening. And this is how I feel. And I'm allowed to do that. As opposed to like, you should be fine. You should be happy. You shouldn't be this upset. I think the permission piece is like a huge weight off people's shoulders immediately. Yeah, completely. And, and even just, I, I found over the last couple of years, when I say to someone, do you think maybe you're grieving that X, Y, Z thing? Mm -hmm. You just see this, like sit back almost like mm -hmm. drop into their body. Like, yeah. Yeah. And they, that just, that experience of you and I know, it's like healing to go yeah. like, drop into your body, feel it, yeah. acknowledge. Yeah. It's like, 
and shoulders down, full exhale. Wow, that felt good. Amazing. Quotations, you're healed. <laughs> Just yeah, right. Have fun. Have no. fun. No, but it's like, at yeah. least that's like the step one, as opposed to just like being on an autopilot, feeling like crap, and then not knowing what to do with the feelings that you are having and not knowing yeah. how to like label them. And it just, yeah, you're allowed to feel whatever you're feeling. And I think that's something that I always yeah. say to my clients. I'm like, you can feel whatever you want. Like there is no right way of feeling. And it's like, feel that. And that's okay. And then lean into that and feel the thing. Right. Mm. Right. Well, and what I find is when you start to uncover hidden grief, you uncover a lot of unhealthy false beliefs. And Mm. that's what's keeping that hidden grief stuck. And that's what's keeping you in the patterns of getting back into, you know, old habits or habits that your parents did or family members, like Mm -hmm. until we change the belief systems, reprogram them, if you Mm -hmm. want to call it decondition, whatever word you like to use, Mm -hmm. they will show up. So you can heal that thing that happened to you at three and seven and 10 and 12. But if you've not reprogrammed the belief systems that were created because of them, that's where I think working with somebody who understands what hidden grief does to your brain and your body and, and, and all of those things, your, your psyche can benefit you because it's like, Oh, I really, I really actually want to heal and transform. You know, like I don't want to just walk away from this and be like, okay, I don't hurt when I think of that memory anymore but I also don't fall into the patterns of doing the same things that re-trigger that. And yeah. Like that's a huge, huge too. And reliving the same themes and patterns in other aspects of your life. Cause it's like, we all have certain patterns. Like I don't feel good enough, which is going to like sprinkle into your home life in your relationships, mm-hmm. into your body image, into like professional life. It's like, we all have one of those little labels that we're like, oh, this is mine. It's like, no, yeah. let it go. Yep. Right. Like, I don't want to let go of it. I always say it's like baggage at the airport. Like you've got to check it. You can't bring it on the plane with you to go to the next place, but it's mine. It's everything. It's all of me. And no, it's not actually. (laughs) If you remove it, you're still there. Yeah. (laughs) You're still there. Okay. Oh my goodness. Okay. I love that. No, I, I wanted to talk about why is this identity change so stressful for people? If you want to talk about like your back, I know this kind of just came through me. So it was like, it came like, I, I don't know. We discussed it a little bit throughout our session so far. So I was like, why do you think that's so hard? Well, I think, okay. So let's, I always use this analogy and I love analogies. Caterpillar, butterfly. We love the idea of the butterfly, right? Like fun, yeah. caterpillar, cute. Da, da, da. And especially like the hungry caterpillar, eat, eat, eat. And then we cocoon. Yeah. Okay. We got to slow down. Do you know what happens in the cocoon? Mm-hmm. Most people don't. Metamorphosis is that the caterpillar digests itself and turns into mush. So literally a hormone is released and it yeah. look. Yeah. And then an enzyme is released and the platelets start to form to create the butterfly. And if the cocoon opens too soon, you got w- one wing and mush, right? Like we're not all put together. So an identity shift is hard because of the metamorphosis process. This Mm -hmm. is what I also call like people like say the dark night of the soul or the shadow or whatever. Like this is it. It's the metamorphosis. It is hard because it's supposed to be. We're not the old. We're not Mm -hmm. the new yet. Mm -hmm. We're in the in-between. We're kind of in the waiting room. We're in the cocoon. Yeah. And you can either look at that time as like, ooh, what is going to transform and what am I going to become and what am I shedding right now? And uh, what am I integrating right now? Or you can fight it tooth and nail 
and be uncomfortable and hate it. And this is awful. And I don't like this feeling, right? <laughs> when is it's this still over? happening, guys. It's still happening. You have no choice. Exactly. You can either cocoon, <laughs> get your blankets, get your tea yeah. and really like, uh, let me figure this out. Or you yeah. can be like, I'm going to knock on the doors of the cocoon until it opens up. <laughs> um, that's yeah. why it's hard. Yeah, that's why it's hard. It, it is a complete shift in what you've understood how life was, who you were. Um, you know, people talk about upgrades, like, oh, I feel like I'm going through an awakening and upgrade. All of that comes with, I don't even know what's up and down right now. <laughs> I don't know who yeah. I am. You know, I don't know what these abilities I have now are like, ah, yeah, that's all part, part of it. And an important part, because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's shedding the, the skin of the old. Um, yeah. So that's why it's hard. Hopefully that analogy makes sense. I love that. And I just think that there's so many people who are out there right now who needed to hear that message, because I know I definitely hear that from my clients of just like, but I'm so tired, but I don't feel like I'm moving ahead. And I was like, you not moving ahead is still doing something as opposed to you being stuck and moving backwards. And I think that's what some people forget of like, there's still that download part of like, and then now it's integrating and now it's embodying side note, you're going to be more tired and it's okay. And I think that's the part that people like fight where it's like, I've decided I'm going to do this click. And then they're like instant gratification. It's here. It's like, no, 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 no. Your physical being needs to catch up to it. And it's like, like, for example, for me, what I can think of is my house. It's like, I decided I want to sell it. It didn't sell that day. It sold very quickly, which was stressful right. in a beautiful way because I was like oh too quick oh my god I wasn't expecting that but that it's like it's still that there's still the the lag time where like I had to sign the paperwork and I have to hand things over and there's a couple like unfinished yeah. business which is boring and I don't like it like I'm like Ugh. but right like, it's wow. part of that yeah <laughs> all the adulting part no bueno yeah yeah <laughs> like, go back in the cocoon okay. go back in the cocoon yeah. <laughs> love Okay. Question. Most importantly, how can people find you? What do you offer? What is out there for people to connect with you? Please share. This is where you brag. So like get in there. Oh yeah. Ooh, I can do this. Okay. Website, katierustler.com. R-O-S-S-L-E-R. You don't have to put the little two dots on top. Uh, Instagram. Great place to get videos, to get, um, you know, things like bite-sized little bits of things to chew on in processing hidden grief and burnout. Um, that's at katie.rustler. Again, no dots over my O. Um, I'm going to make sure you have a link to a free audio chapter of my book, The New Face of Grief. You can find that on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you are, online, bookstores, everywhere. No, whatever country you're in. Um, and I have different events going on all the time. So really katierussler.com is the best place to go and find out what I'm doing. And if you want to work with me, send me a private message uh, on Instagram, go to my website and go to my contact form and just write me. I'm always happy to talk to my community and hear what they're going through, what they're needing and things like that. Love that. And okay. We also need to share how we met because this is funny given that like (laughs) Katie and I have such a good energy together and we both feel like we've known each other for a really long time but we actually haven't so do you want to share how we met yes yeah so I uh, from time to time put on summits specifically for coaches clinicians and healers and helping them to really hone their craft 
Um, and, you know, with me being able to teach them about how to handle hidden grief in their clients' lives. And um, I was searching on Instagram for speakers and you showed up. And it was interesting because either you were connected to one of my previous speakers at a summit or multiple ones, but, you know, Instagram likes to like, hey, this person. And I'm like, cool, click on it, love. <laughs> I was like watching your stories and watching your reels, all the things. And I was like, yep, she's, yeah, she'll be a speaker. Like I just intuitively got that hit. Uh, manifesting generator was like, yep, uh-huh, yep, running, go. <laughs> like, like, no, yeah. no, stop. And then we connected and then it was like voicemail, 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 voicemail. And I was like, oh, my, my sister, <laughs> voicemail, voicemail, voicemail. And it has stayed that way. And it's only literally, been, I think January, December or January. Is been, it might've been later. Was it not February? And like, oh, in my, yeah, in yeah. right now. Yeah, you're right. It's only been a couple of months, but I, like I was just telling you, I listened to the podcast episode about like the big changes and I was like, I didn't know this about you. And then I stopped. I was like, Katie, you don't know her. Like, you, don't, you don't know about her childhood because you don't know her, even though you feel like you know her. So this is my reminder for you guys that you can make incredible friendships online. doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. And don't give me the excuse of like, yeah, but you're like, I don't know, an influencer. You're online all the time. It doesn't matter. Like I've connected with people who are not doing what I do and I've become friends with them because we've just did. And so just don't turn that into a story because it's not true. It's not real. You constantly can meet incredible people wherever you are in your life. So needed to share that. I think it is hilarious and I love it because we literally just like clicked and I was just like, I really love you. <laughs> right. And we're like, so what are we going to do next together? Are we going to do an Instagram live? Are we doing a podcast? Are we going to do a course? Are we going to do a program? Are we going to like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so everyone, just so you know, Katie's part of my life and she's staying. So there you go. Love, right. love, love. <laughs> One more question. What brings yeah. you joy? Obviously I have to ask that given that this is a discover your joy podcast. Yeah. What brings me joy right now, um, spring and winter in Munich, Germany is very gray and rainy and blah. When the sun comes out, oh my gosh, I like run outside. I, I might, it might be like horrible weather and the sun just peeks through the clouds and I like run to the window and put my face up against it like I'm here. Uh, sun brings me joy right now. Just the, that promise of a new and something coming and growth. And so, yeah right now that's that brings me joy i love that beautiful 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 oh my goodness i absolutely love chatting with you and i know so did my audience so guys reach out to her follow her you must follow her and uh, i can't wait to see what else unfolds for us thank you very much and thank you thank you for having me so welcome